you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast with your host, Corey Dion Lewis, primary care health coach and health education specialist. You will learn from health professionals from all over the world on how to plan and take action to improve your health and live with purpose on purpose. Like to work one-on-one with Corey to achieve your goals? Go to healthcoachlou.com or email Corey at Corey at healthcoachlou.com. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a special guest in the, in the building today, cardiologist, chef, professor of culinary, culinary medicine, author and speaker, <laughs> chef, Dr. Mike. Mike, thank you for being on up today. I appreciate it. Hey, Corey, great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Ex- excited. What a great way to kick off the new year. Absolutely. Absolutely. For everyone that's listening that doesn't know about you, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, sure. and how you got started in being a, a chef and also, you know, a cardiologist. So, so actually, um, I got started cooking and into food and kind of the culinary world before I got into medicine. So um, when I was growing up, we moved around a lot. These were the dark ages, no internet, no. <laughs> um, and so constantly moving around, um, you know, kids can be kind of tough on kids. And, you know, my mom was a really good home cook. These were back in the days of uh, cooking shows like the Galloping Gourmet, Julia Child, almost everybody you know knows about her and, and watching. So, you know, I come home from school, didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, and, you know, my mom be in the kitchen working on whatever she saw that day. And so it really food for me became much more than just, you know, sitting down and getting something to eat. And I got really connected to that. And my mom was really good about, you know, we go to a, a, a farm stand to get the vegetables and went to a butcher to get, you know, cuts of meat. And, and that kind of connectedness uh, to the food was really part of, you know, what I experienced growing up. And when I went to college, I had to make some money to pay, help pay for college. And so it was real natural to go into the food related hospitality industry, like a lot of folks do. And I was pretty sure I was a great chef right away. So I walked in and said, hey, I'm here ready to be your chef. And they said, great. The only job we have is a dishwasher. <laughs> and, and so I dishwashed for a couple months and they kept earning the bargain. And when a place opened up on the line, I started as a short order cook, you know, on the line. I went to a different restaurant. I became what we call today a, a sous chef, a junior chef. They worked my way up to executive chef by the time I left college. I was you know, running the kitchen by myself, opening, closing, you know, had some people underneath me in the kitchen, small kitchen, uh, nothing super fancy, but, you know, we got fresh fish delivered, you know, from the coast, uh, Chesapeake Bay a couple of times a week. And a- after I finished college, I went off to medical school, but that connection, you know, remained strong. And eventually, you know, I was doing my bit, talking to folks about, you know, risk factors and diabetes and cholesterol levels as a cardiologist. And, and I was in, to, to give you context, I was in Southern Georgia, which I love. And uh, the audience was about four or five people. You know, it was a community outreach thing. And so I'm talking. And when I finish my talk, about four of them, four of them are definitely asleep. One guy's kind of there raising a hand <laughs> from the question. And he, and he goes, and I was like, yeah, somebody is there. They stayed awake. Sir, you are my new like favorite person. And I said, what can I do for? What can I answer for? And I expect, you know, He's going to say something about this slide or that slide because I worked so hard getting all this information right. together. Of course. It's like, so doc, can I have fried catfish? Because <laughs> it's fried, but it's oh, fish. My goodness. And that, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so I was working with the the person who, who had set up the, the outreach from the hospital. And I was like, man, you know, everywhere I go, people just want to know what they, you know, what they can eat. I should just, I should just cook. We should just do a cooking demo. And she's like, well, can you cook? Cause my husband runs a catering company. And I was like, I'm a professional chef. Of course I can cook. And so that's kind of what started uh, this path back towards culinary medicine, which, you know, to, to, to cut to the chase, it has now, you know, really evolved into its own discipline. And I, I teach uh, our course, which is a graduate level course at the university of Montana, uh, this summer, just not even six months ago, 
we launched the that course to the public so people can go. It's completely online because uh, I'm so busy doing other stuff. We developed the course online and now anybody can take it and get a micro credential, a level one certification in culinary medicine. And, you know, you take this course, you're going to know more. I'm sorry to say that probably about 75% of the healthcare professionals out there who keep repeating the same stuff. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it's, it's so true because everybody says you got to eat healthier, but not everybody knows what that, what that means, you know, to, to them. That's it can great mean, point. And even when they, even they eat, eat healthier in most people's minds, it's like, okay, I'll eat broccoli, chicken and broccoli, baked chicken, broccoli. But there, but what I liked, you said, I saw, I looked on your website and you said something in the sense of meal time is heal time. And I yeah. really, that really just rung to me. I, I liked it. So can, can you tell me, you know, what do you mean by that? You know, meal time is heal time. And how can people, um, what should people do to look at their food to heal them instead of just something to, to eat? Well, first, that's a great question. So first I say kind of throw out everything that you think you know about food. Like, oh, I got to eat chicken. I can't have red meat. A lot of that is just garbage, uh, and 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 it's not true for basically that's our course, right? We, we go through all of that o- over you know these eighteen different lectures in just our introduction course that we cover that. But what I mean by that is don't go in with preconceived notions of you know this is healthier than that or this is what I've heard because uh, you know a lot of that when you delve into the data it's much more complicated and there's an easy reason why it's complicated because we're complicated. And so things that go into a healing meal, um, and folks can go to the website like you did, uh, sign up for the, the newsletter and things, because I do with the university a practical culinary medicine webinar each month. We do 30 minutes, it's Q&A, you can ask all the questions. And the reason I bring it up is because the one I'm doing next Thursday is on mindfulness uh, as we eat. And so it's not just what we eat, but we're also understanding it's how we eat and with whom we eat. And even when we eat all of these things, actually it's not small changes. It's not subtle things. They have big impacts because of the way we're wired Um, to give you an idea, you know, would you either you maybe, or your friends or something have a pet cat, right? So you've come across people that, and, and people that have cats say, Hey, my cat is pretty darn smart, right? It knows all these things. Well, the amount of, of neural processing capacity that is in your gut is the equivalent to the brain of a cat, about 250, 350 million neurons. So this, you have another brain inside you that's always talking to this brain and this brain and, uh, and what we eat and how it affects uh, things is influenced by our emotion, by our attitude, how we feel when we're eating, what's tied to that. And the, the largest repository of the immune system is in the gut, um, something you call, uh, called the gut, gut-associated um, lympho- lymphoid system. And so we know that the immune system is what modulates, uh, you know, atherosclerosis. So, you know, in the process of heart attacks, et cetera. And so we want to understand everything in the context of this food experience, Uh, Certainly ingredient selection is a big, big part that you point out, but I would tell you that an industrially processed chicken, you know, that you say, okay, I'm going to eat a chicken and broccoli. Well, that industrially processed chicken that's fed GMO food, that's grown under stress, uh, that's processed, you know, before it comes in the patty shape that, you know, I'm going to take out of the freezer and throw in my microwave or in in my pan or, or whatever, um, that's not as healthy a choice. If, if I go down the road, folks, this is Montana in the back of me. So that's where I'm coming from university of Montana. And I literally can go down the road about 20 minutes, visit my good buddy, Troy, who raises grass finished bison that, you know, basically live wild their entire lives, you know, grazing out on the plains and natural grasses of Montana. And I'd get a red meat, you know, gra- grass fed bison burger. That's going to be a healthier option than that chicken whatever that I get in the store. And so these are the things, the subtle things we have to understand when we go out to put these meals together. And then we want to look at how we're eating these foods. We don't want to be stressed. We don't want to eat mindlessly. That affects us in so many ways. So there's all these 
considerations I think that we need to have when we approach what makes a and converts just a meal time into a heal time. And, and, you know, so that's, I've been on the road. I was on call over the holidays. So, you know, I was in a hotel room, bad hours. You know, I spent all of New Year's Eve and New Year's and Christmas Eve, you know, in the cath lab with people having heart attacks. So my sleep patterns were messed up. My diet patterns were messed up. I was alone. But still, when I sat down to eat in my hotel room, you know, I brought food with me. I prepared it in my hotel room and I took a moment. And these are the types of things that we want to incorporate, uh, you know, into eating. And we want to get out of this cycle of, of you know, mindless eating and, and where people get hungry. Right? We watch TV and, and the advertising, you know, I, I, I ask people next time you either watch a show. So you have a 30 minute show, an hour show and just, you know, maybe keep a pad next to your bed or a mental count. See how many times a food commercial comes up. Or, you know, a, a beer commercial or, you know, an energy drink commercial and, and see how you're inundated because there's all these influences where, you know, you're there for 45 minutes and you're like, wow, I, I do want that pizza right now. I, I better call Pizza Hut. So yeah. being aware of that, then we can we can interrupt because what they want us to do is they they put that thought in our head and then they want us to react and pick up the phone and call a delivery or go to the kitchen and get that snack. When we change the way we eat our food experience, we can put a pause in there and say, wait, am I really hungry? Do I really need something to eat? Or are they, you know, causing me to, to want to buy that chocolate chip cookie. So all these sorts of things go in. So there's a lot to it. Um, you know, and, and where it's easy for people to begin is looking at how they eat and the ingredients they choose. Right. So what, what you're saying is you need a strategy first. Absolutely. What's really happened at an accelerated rate uh, since World War II is that there's been a cultural shift um, towards a convenience culture and not just to do with food, but in, in everything that we do. And, and so that's impacted us and our health in a lot of ways. Obviously, we get a lot less exercise than, than we used to. It's, it's sort of programmed us to become disconnected from our food pathways and our food where we're just, you know, grabbing that sandwich or we're eating it at our, our cubicle or in front of our mm-hmm. computer while we're trying to multitask. And here's a little myth busting for you because we have the studies to prove it. There is no such thing as multitasking. So our brain attention span is like a pizza. You know, now you could cut it into as many slices as you want, but it's one pizza. So right. all you're doing is giving less attention, a smaller slice of your attention to what you're doing. And so when we think we want to pat ourselves on the back, because it's like, I did six things and I multitask it. You didn't do them with 100% concentration. And the very simple thing we can do to improve our habit and start breaking some of these behaviors that we have is, and, and sometimes it's hard because we're all working, we're busy, but let's say with one meal a day, whatever that might be, maybe it's breakfast for you, maybe it's dinner for me, maybe it's lunch where you get a lunch hour or you're working from home now and you, and you have that ability to walk away from the computer for an hour. Let's give full attention to our meal. So mm-hmm. let's engage in what we're eating. Let's look at at what ingredients we're putting into our body. Is it that highly processed, you know, McNugget? Is it, you know, grass-fed? Is, am I just getting, you know, a, a, a can of uh, industrially produced peas? Um, are these some organic vegetables that I'm getting, you know, et cetera? How do, am I preparing? Am I throwing in a microwave? Am I using, you know, am I putting some of myself into how I'm fixing it? So whatever meal that you can do once a day, and, and if it, that's too much, let's just do it on a, on a Saturday and Sunday, mm. you know, on, on our break. But, but let's find that one time and start making that a habit to, to really focus on what we're eating and, and how we're eating. And if we have company, let's engage in conversation with, with whom we're, we're eating. Because long story short, when we do that, when we appreciate the opportunity to sit down with somebody, we're changing neural pathways in our head. All of a sudden, we're shifting to oxytocin, release neural pathways. Long story short, that's good. We're actually healing ourselves, irrespective of the food we consume. 
incredibly powerful. That's what what you said earlier is probably one of the one of the questions I get a lot. One of the problems I get <laughs> is we're talking about nutrition, and I'm way too busy. Is there is there something quick and easy I can do? It's always quick and easy. And in, in my and what I want to teach is like, hey, we need to sl- slow down because that slowing down process will allow you to make a healthier foods, but everybody wants something so fast. And is there my, so my question is, is there a such thing as a quick and fast, healthy meal? Absolutely. And I do it all the time. So we talked about me being in a hotel room and, and part of it is, is taking tips and tricks as a professional chef that I can bring to uh, my home game as it were, and then share. And this is something that we do in some of our webinars. And we talk about it. And I talk, we talk about a sustainable diet, right? We want sustainability on a lot of levels. So we want it sustainable for, for us. So it fits our lifestyle. If I need those, some of those quick and easy meals, Um, it's sustainable in that it's food. I like to eat, right? I, I, we're not accomplishing anything. If I'm telling you, you have to eat this stuff and you're miserable because you think it tastes disgusting. That's no way to live. It's got to be sustainable for economics. Um, you heard me already mention about so in selecting ingredients. We want these high quality, you know, real, authentic ingredients. Unfortunately, our world they cook they cost a little bit more. So how do we stretch those dollars from that organic chicken as opposed to the mass produced chicken? Right. And then sustainable for you know our community and and the world at large. So it's kind of the win win. And so what I'd say is like, uh, I'll I'll give you an example from what I did. So um, I was making some homemade breads because I don't buy any commercial breads because they're awful. Uh, And so I'm I'm doing stuff from scratch. And when I do that, I know that, you know what, bread freezes pretty well in the short term. When I'm making that bread, there's, it's not a whole lot of extra effort for me to make an extra loaf. And then I put it in the freezer. And then when I'm going to the hotel and I'm going to be on call, yeah, I've, I've got that loaf of, of Chef Dr. Mike's, you know, homemade, organic uh, French loaf. And, you know, I compare that with sorts of things. So that's one way to do it. On a weekend, if I'm making chicken uh, and maybe I make a chicken stock and then I can freeze that and I can use that stock to make a, a risotto during the weeknight, which only takes 20 minutes once this, the stock is done. Um, so those sorts of things. And, and a lot of it, you know, it's very second nature to me as a professional chef, because I've got to plan my menu for the week. Right. So I just got home and, and my wife loves it because already on the board, you know, for the rest of the week through Sunday is, okay, I've got this, I'm doing this. And when I'm making this, you know, this bit, it also works for this bit over here. So we plan vacations, people plan retirement, you, you plan uh, exercise routines so sit down and, and look at what you have and you don't have to plan everything, but where you can start planning your meals out because you can do some stuff. I could teach you, Corey, how to, you know, get fresh bread, you know, done 15 minutes in the morning. If you got a stand mixer, you go off to your work. When you come home at night, you got fresh pasta or fresh bread. All you got to do is, you know, pop it in the oven or, or roll it out, uh, you know, and cut it. So it's these sorts of things, as you talked about them, strategies, Uh, a lot of, have you ever heard of sous vide? You know, a lot of people are kind of to sous vide, right? That is the ultimate, and and I don't want people to be intimidated. Basically, it's boiling a bag is is what it is. And I have an Instapot that I use, does a pretty good job keeping the temperature. Do your sous vide stuff. Uh, If you have a food saver, it vacuum seals it. And you can put a whole meal in a sous vide. So I'll give you an example uh, this summer, I got a deal because we always get them when they come, when they run in Alaska, fresh Alaska salmon, uh, super cheap, but I had to buy almost 50 pounds of salmon, fresh salmon. <laughs> so I spent a weekend and I made a bunch of these sous vide packs with uh, salmon in them, a little salmon, a, a knob of butter, some lemon, a piece of thyme, some seasoning. And now I can pull it out of the freezer. I can set it so it's done in an hour. Or if I know I'm going to be home, set it so it cooks for 8, 10, 12 hours. You can't overcook it in sous vide because it sets the temperature. And you have, you know what you put in there. So there's all sorts of professional kitchen tips and strategies. Folks can visit the website if they want to see more. I could send you a list of some stuff that you could share with your clients. But yeah, they all come from the professional kitchen because, right, I've got to make meals that get out in 20 minutes 
to serve you. So yes, and, and it's all about thinking ahead, all about planning ahead. Yeah, you're gonna make a lot of husbands out here really tight in 2000. <laughs> like, hey, husbands <laughs> out there, Corey and I are gonna make you heroes. Right, <laughs> right now, right. Um, if I if I could pull up on the side, I'd be playing, you know, the Bowie song. We can be heroes, guys. <laughs> guys out there, husbands out there, ladies out. We can be kitchen heroes out there. That's right. And, and That's Corey right. and I can show you how to do that. Super easy. So you know, being being a cardiologist as well. You know, how, how do you work with those patients that are coming to you with your background and uh, being able to heal with, with uh, food? You know, how do you work with those patients? Well, the, the first thing that happened um, is that I got thrown out of the office from seeing patients because I take too long. Because as soon as somebody knows I want to talk about food, you know, you're, I'm supposed to be in there like three minutes, right? right. Like 30 minutes later, I'm like, but, but we're talking, you know, about Scala and I was there, you know. And don't take Chef Dr. Mike's word for it. This is straight from the American Heart Association uh, webpage. 80%, 80% of heart attacks can be prevented by lifestyle modification, which includes diet that you and I are talking about. The other things you help folks uh, with, Corey, you know, exercise, just moving, stress reduction, all those sorts of things. But let's think about that. And let's just put it in context for a moment. Heart disease is the number one killer uh, in America. So for your listeners, uh, for your viewers out there, folks, think of three people you know. Take a moment. Think of three people that are close to you. One of them is going di to die of heart disease. Those are the stats. Those are the real world stats. Now, imagine if we could prevent 80% of those heart attacks, and we can. So it, it does. Diet plays a huge role. Other things that we touched on that most people don't appreciate um, certainly things like LDL cholesterol. We address those, right? Most people don't know, Corey, that depression is as powerful a, a risk factor for the development of heart disease, a heart attack, and I'm powerful, a marker if you've had a heart attack for having complications down the road, including heart failure or another heart attack as any cholesterol level. But we give people, you know, we're in a society where there's a, a friend of mine, uh, Michelle, who works with children, kind of coined this phrase. And she said, we think of a pill for every ill. We just mm -hmm. want a pill. I'll give you another uh, statistic, and, I'll, and, I'm not, and I'll get right back to your question. But this is important, too. We, we're up in arms about COVID, right? Uh, right. And we should be, right? Um, right before the end of the year, right before the vaccine came out, about around, depending on how you measure it, roughly about 300,000 people in the U.S. died from it. Uh, in 2020. Thank goodness 2020 is gone. The year before, about 300,000 people died from diabetes. Okay. It, when we look at diabetes and complications, which include heart disease, et cetera, it's the number three cause of death in, in the US. About 12% of the population dies from diabetes complicated, complications. 90 to 95% of cases of diabetes are type 2 diabetes. 90% of Type 2 diabetes can be prevented through diet, lifestyle modification, including diet. 90%. 60% of people already have type 2 diabetes. And this was a study published uh, in the UK and British, Med British Medical Journal this summer. Over 60% of the people already have diabetes can reverse it with lifestyle, including diet and other modifications. Why are we not doing this? What? This is insane. Instead, I, all I see are more commercials for more drugs right? Uh, because it goes back to that, that convenience factor. So when we look at diabetes, when we look at heart disease, when we look at, at complications, um, et cetera, it, it comes right back to starting with the diet and, and what I like to call that food experience. So we touched on, on the depression. Don't eat a diet that's going to make you angry. That's going to make you depressed. We're defeat. We're right. defeating ourselves. What are the foods you like to eat? Okay. I love pizza. A lot of people love pizza, but the pizza that I make on pizza Fridays when I'm home, I do pizza Fridays, right? I'm doing a long ferment from scratch dough, pizza sauce, easy to do, some organic. I can get some local mozzarella. Uh, I put it on there and I get, you know, some little little fishies, little anchovies. Yes, people still put them on a pizza. I love <laughs> anchovies. That's why I have a whole pizza to myself 
Nobody wants to share a pizza and jalapeno, an anchovy and jalapeno pizza. Yeah. And, and actually, I, I can clear out the entire room when it comes out. Uh, it's delicious, though. Um, but but we, we, we do that. That is very different than ordering a pizza from one of the chain with loaded with sugar, et cetera. So it's, it's what do you want to eat? What do we like? What's going to make us happy? And then how do we source those ingredients? As we said, what's a strategy so that it fits in our life? We don't need any more stress in our life. Food should be about enjoying. And, and then, you know, how am I going to have a meal? Am I going to be by myself? If I'm going to be with someone, what what can we share? And, and what can we converse with? Um, you know, the the history of food is the history of mankind. We're, we're social primates. And I like to think, because I'm a chef uh, and I'm all about the food and 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 all about the healing things as well, that that we're where we are today because of chefs. You and I are our ancestors, right? We're all part of some tribe. Mm-hmm. Your ancestors, my ancestors, we're all sitting around a campfire somewhere, and somebody said, Hey, who wants mastodon ribs? You know, and they started <laughs> they cooked them up over the fire and they served you and I some ribs and and we had some Macedon ribs. And I was like, so, you know, what'd you see out on the Serengeti today? You know, and, <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, tell me about that saber tooth tiger. And, and that's what formed the social bonds that for the history of mankind, food became and is a social currency. It's part of our mating ritual. It's important on a lot of levels. And we need to acknowledge that. And not just eat for nutrition. So when people tell me, oh, it's about food as medicine. No, it's not. Uh, In the sense that medicine is the stuff that I take for me, that's good for me, that I might hate. It might be painful. I got my COVID vaccine. That sucked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it did. But yeah, but we have to get that. So, so that's, that's, that's how we start the conversation in a context of this food experience and in the context of somebody's life. And that's why somebody, what you do, Corey, when you work with individuals and what you do, that's why you're so important because this can't be one size fits all. You, you can't, you can't buy somebody's DVD and get it. Absolutely. That is so true. That is so true. I really like that. And you know what, how do you feel, you know, uh, Dr. Mike about, of course, being a chef, you love all foods. <laughs> Everything has its place. Right. But even, even now in 2021, there are, carbs or fats they're all getting they're very demonized like you shouldn't have carbs or you shouldn't you know low fat or high protein or there there are so many gimmicks and schemes and tricks out there uh how do you feel about this you know these kind of elimination diets and um i know i've even ran into you know patients who are coming to me and they're like well my cousin's friend's brother did keto so i'm not eating any more carbs because it's unhealthy for me you know, when, how do you feel about that? So I'm going to share with you a little story and and you may have heard of this guy. His his name's Buddha. And and the Buddha um, became the Buddha because he was a prince. And uh, he, when he was born, wise people came and they said, this, this person, this baby will either grow up to be a great spiritual leader or a very great leader of a kingdom. Buddha's dad being a king said, I want him to rule my kingdom and make it great. And so he protected young Buddha and he wasn't allowed to, to do anything. He couldn't, you know, he had everything that, that he could possibly want. But one day Buddha snuck out of the, the compound, out of the castle, and he was exposed to the suffering and the death and the illness of the world. Uh, he ended up leaving home. He said, you know, I've got to address these sorts of things. He said, well, how am I going to do that? And the very first thing he did actually became, we often think of the Buddha as a very happy big guy, right? The happy Buddha tummy. Well, the first thing the Buddha did is joined up with several other ascetics. And so it was all about depriving themselves so that they they could get rid of the wants and desires and, and not giving into them. And, and it came to the point where the Buddha was living on like a grain of rice a day. And if you go over to Japan or India or uh, or China, anywhere in those areas, Thailand, you'll often see statues of the Buddha where it's this emaciated, the ribs are sticking out, um, basically starvation. Mm. And the Buddha was was on his last legs and he, and he was about really to die. And, and he was rescued from this from a, by a girl who gave him a, a glass of milk. And, and as he was coming around, he said, and, and I'm paraphrasing here. And it's the term I use, 
there is no salvation and deprivation. And that's where he he came to the conclusion that the wisdom pathway lies in, in the middle path. Uh, so it's not about excess, and, and we know that. Right. Uh, we see where that gets us. But it's not about deprivation either. And so to these elimination things, that's what I say. I say there is no salvation and deprivation. And we already talked about some of the effects that this has because we need people to eat fruits and vegetables and their carbs. So what I tell folks is, and what the data shows is just about any diet that you take is effective in the short term. So whatever works for you, if you want to lose weight and get to a place, fine. If it's keto, excuse me, if it's something else, if it's Weight Watchers, whatever works for you, great. But then the question is, now I'm where I want to be. I don't want to keep paying all this money each month. <clears throat> Excuse me. What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Here's where I say, again, what the data has, has is showing us, has shown us and is showing us, is that, that we're approaching food the wrong way. And, and then we'll kind of bust another myth here for you. This is our, our New Year's myth busting uh, with Mike and Corey. Yep, 2021. Um, Yeah, exactly. So uh, part of the problem in the way we view food is we break it down into carbs and fats and percent RDA, vitamin A, you know, here, this and that. Um, But that's not really the food we're dealing with today. As I talked about, there's been great changes to our food and food pathways, particularly in the processing and ultra processing of our food to the point where conversations about carbohydrates and and red meat and vegetables, it really doesn't make sense. Um, that's that's not how our foods are delivered to us. And, and to address this, uh, this was developed at the University of Brazil, a university in Brazil. Now it's now used by the United Nations and many other countries worldwide, not in the United States for a number of, of more political reasons than, than actual reasons that have to do with the data. Uh, but it's called the NOVA classification. And so they have four classifications and they actually look at food by the level of processing. And level four is ultra processed food. Mm. And basically what they show is when you eat these ultra processed food, that's going to correlate to the diabetes, heart disease, obesity, et cetera, et cetera. So let's get away from looking in all these fake categories, what I call palate profiling. Oh, I'm not eating that because it's a carb. We don't eat carbs fats, we eat food. Right. So let's start looking at it right. like it's what it is. It's food. And, and the great thing is when we go back to the way mother nature has packaged food for us, what we find is it's not only good for us, irrespective of whether it has saturated fats, which does not correlate to heart disease, by the way, another myth busted. We have a whole section in this course where we review the data and the meta-analyses that have been done ad nauseum. What, what correlates is this, is this processing. And when we eat these natural, wholesome foods, whether they be fruits and vegetables, whether they be grass-fed bison, whether it be a wild Atlant- uh, Alaskan salmon, et cetera, they're also good for our gut microbiome. Now, this gut microbiome, the data on this has only come out about the last decade or so, but it turns out that it is one of the most powerful influencers of our health and actually affects our mood as well. This is about a hundred trillion bacteria of over a thousand different species that has co-evolved to co-metabolize the foods that you and I have been eating for millions of years. And when we give them processed stuff, we're, we're basically spraying poison on our internal garden. And I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want fruits and vegetables if they come from the garden of Fukushima and they glow in the dark. So, so, you know, when we turn our internal garden into, you know, the Fukushima, you know, patch of, of earth there and we get all these unhealthy bacteria, it creates a leaky gut and we start getting this inflammation associated with diabetes, so on and so forth. So it's all about eating real food, authentic food, wholesome food, And the great thing about that is when we talk about then bringing that perspective, that um, way of approaching food into how we approach the food pathway, well, that changes our relationship with food. It shifts our food relationship. And we start having a really authentic relationship with food. And that sets us up for being much more authentic in life. And 
what the Harvard Happiness Study shows us, I'm sure you're aware of this, is that when we looked at things that, that correlate to a long life, a healthy life, a life where we keep our cognitive faculties, the Blue Zones data, what we find is that it's not about how much money we have, the job, where we live, the diet we eat, um, et cetera. It's about the, the number of quality relationships in our life. Our relationship with food is a mo- our most fundamental relationship, and it sets a template for, for the, basically the rest of the relationships in our lives. And that's how we get to good health. That's how uh, we get, get to a long, healthy life. Right. And just to prove your point, I, I believe, I have a theory. I would love your thoughts on this, is I believe that us, that we have, um, we forgot what wellness really is. Like when, when, yep. when you ask somebody, what does it mean to be healthy or what does it mean to be well? They bring up all, they bring up, well, you got to eat, you have to eat right. They say all the right things, but they don't necessarily mean it in the way that you're talking about now. You know what I mean? I think we really had lost what wellness really is. And that's being a part of a community that's eating food. That's good. Not only good, but good for you and preparing it and slowing down and, and, but when you, I have a patient in my office or you have someone in your office and it's, it's like, well, um, if I want to be healthy, I have to stop doing this. I have to stop eating carbs. Or if I want to be healthy, I have to do this diet. Well, wellness and health and wellness is not a diet. It's not a diet. You, 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 man, I couldn't put it any better. You are 100% spot on. And, and I often like to say, people often talk about the Mediterranean diet. I'm like, okay, well, let's get to the roots of the Mediterranean diet because the Greek word, right? The Greeks, the original Mediterranean diet, and I wrote about this in a, in a book called Ancient Eats. Uh, the original Greek word is th- that w- our word diet comes from is diatia. It didn't mean what you ate to the Greeks. It meant a way of life. Mm. And and that's what you're talking about. And that's exactly what we have to get to because people, I think, today interpret wellness as absence of disease. That may be health, but that's not wellness. Uh, wellness means positivity. Um, you know, it's not just it's not just I don't have diabetes. <laughs> I, I could be miserable and be a miserable, crappy human being. Um, you know, that I've got a long way to go just because I'm not, you know, I, I don't have a physical ailment, you know, doesn't mean I have wellness and, and wellness is what we want to sh- strive for because wellness, you know, comes wellness is dancing partner is happiness. And we're only here for a short amount of time. I mean, you know, you and I work in a, in an industry, you know, I'm a cardiologist. I see people go all the time mm. uh, be, before they should, or I see them have to con- confront their mortality, Unfortunately, at earlier and earlier ages, you know, they're coming in with these people coming in with heart attacks are younger than me. Um, that's scary. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things that that launched me on the crusade, on my crusade of culinary medicine was when I had to do an emergent procedure on a 28 year old who was having a heart attack and put a stent in. And and I went to her. This was a Friday night and I was talking to her in a room Saturday and we were talking about diet in the hospital, which was located in Seattle. That's as far as I'll go. Uh, I don't want to call them out, but it's Seattle is like a very foodie city, right? I mean, we're on all the latest food trends. People are right. healthy, right? We're, we're all about those things in Seattle. And they brought her a freaking deli meat sandwich on, you know, Wonder White Bread with processed American cheese, oh. green jello. A salad that I don't think any of the vegetables had actually seen sunlight. And you could have played ping pong with the cherry tomatoes and, and a salad dressing full of pro-inflammatory, you know, omega-6 stuff and artificial this and that. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Mm. No wonder people leave here and and they don't know where to go and they're confused and they throw their arms up. So, so yeah, man, um, you are spot on. We, we Our goal in life from my perspective, um, you know, tell me what you think, but it, it, it's a bit wellness and, 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 and her dancing partner, you know, happiness. Absolutely. And, and that's it. You can't ask more for life than that. You, you can't. And you know, it's, I've, I've been noticing as I've, you know, really dug more into behavior change and things like that with, with my patients, it's, we, 
I speak more about changing behaviors and what, what my belief of well, wellness is more than what changes they need to make in their diet and what changes they need to make with their exercise routine. Granted, there are some changes they need to make. Like, I mean, every, I have people who are eating fast food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and two snacks. Like there are obvious, there are obviously there are changes that need to be made, but to your point, when you said earlier in the podcast, like if you don't have a plan to change those strategies or to change those habits and to do some of those things, like it, it means, it means nothing for me to say, Hey, go eat more uh, fruits and vegetables and, fr- and make it fresh and make it organic because they have no plan. They're like, whatever, I'm just going to hit over here to this fast food joint right quick because I don't, and get a fish sandwich because that's, yeah. <laughs> it's fish, you yeah. know, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And, and we've, we've got to approach this change. What I, I always tell folks on, is, you know, again, sort of quote the Dalai Lama. It's like, you know, if you want to heal the world, start with compassion. You want to heal yourself, start with compassion mm. and be gentle with yourself. Um, you know, I've trained in the martial arts for, for many years. And one of the, the first lessons I learned uh, was an ancient Japanese saying, you know, fall down, you know, seven times, get up eight. And it, mm. it's not about the falling down because we will. That's that's what being human a human being is all about. Absolutely. Um, it, it's about getting up that eighth time. And so we talked to, you know, we're talking earlier, right. For folks, um, and the things you're doing are spot on, but we also know change of behaviors is a big undertaking. So, you know, find, find a niche where you can do it and you can dedicate it. And maybe it's just one Sunday brunch, you know, a week, but you're, you're going to start somewhere and you're going to start, you know, and, and if you pay attention to it and, and, you know, they follow your advice, Corey, and they implement those changes and they have that that meal with with the foods that you and I have been talking about on a Sunday, then take a moment and just reflect on how you feel afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, before you go back to watching the football game, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you can spare, you know, and just think about it and, and remember that feeling. And when you fall down Tuesday and you get the fast food thing, be kind to yourself. It's OK. What did I learn? Um, how did I feel when I ate? Maybe it's a good thing, right? How did I feel when I ate that fast food burger compared to how I felt, you know, Sunday? Yeah, you can learn um, from that. You can learn and, from and, that. And, and yeah, and say, wow, you know, Sunday I felt pretty good. I remember working on this with um, a, a colleague. Uh, she worked in the cath lab. And by the 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 end of the, the year, she's like, you know, Mike, um, right now I notice and then she said, this may sound crazy. She said, but I noticed if I, if I don't buy my organic vegetables and I'm just getting, you know, the stuff I used to get, she said, I can feel it on my skin mm. and, and I'll notice I'll start to break out. If I go back to my old ways, I just feel different. And when people start to feel better, you know, when they start to get a taste of wellness, Corey, you tell me, but I, I bet your patients don't want to go back. No, uh, uh-uh. it's it's almost like when they someone quits smoking, like it, next thing you know, like that smell makes them sick. Yeah, you, you know, you know what I mean. No, I I know exactly what you mean because I've had people come back and say, "Well, Doc, um, I, I how did I smoke two packs a day? Because I can't even go in a room where somebody is." And I've had people come back to me and say, "You know, after a year, they're like, Doc, Chef Doctor Mike, thank you. I don't know how I ate that crap." Because I can't even walk into a fast food place. That's how it is for me now. Like when I walk, if I were to walk into a fast food place, or unfortunately, a lot of that food is still served in hospitals. Mm. So I walk by their cafeteria and I'll smell it and I can smell the oil. And, and I'm like, right. oh man, you know, I, that stuff's just going to make me feel awful if I eat it. And it's like, I'd rather wait and, and I'll grab something where I know I can get it. Cause when I eat that, I, I have a comparator. On the other hand, when we we don't know diff, we're anything different, mm-hmm. uh, when we don't have that space to step back and re-examine those those things and those sensations, um, we don't know how good we can feel. We don't know what it feels like to have a breath of fresh air because we're smoking all the time. Right. So yeah, yeah. What what you said is is hundred percent spot on. Right. Brilliant. So so my next question is, you know, what about those people that are the, the picky eaters? You know what. It, 
what do we do about the the picky eaters that say I don't like vegetables or I don't like fruit? You know, how how do you get them to start really looking at food differently and maybe trying some things? Um, well, what I say is, is the first thing that I would do. So if you came to me and you said, um, you know, my I, I eat fast food all the time and I I, I want to get out of that habit. So and I would say to you, well, tell me what food you like. What what do you like? And and one of the the things we want to determine at this point is whether you're addicted to the modern Western diet or not. Because unfortunately, fast food, junk food, the modern Western diet, these processed foods are actually built so we crave them. And they it's, that's why there's so much sugar in the food, because it's addictive. Right. And, and so we want to understand whether we have to break an addictive cycle, which, as you were saying, is something different to just changing the behavior. Right. But, but so we... we we want to decide, do we need to break an addiction? Because that's one thing first and get you off the modern Western diet. Or do we just need to, to get you to focus a little bit more on the, the more wholesome foods and, and help you sourcing your ingredients? It's something we call, it's being like a culinary wizard, right? Because we're learning the art of sorcery, how to source mm-hmm. our foods. And so so we're going to make you a Harry Potter. And, <laughs> and I'm going to come to you and say, Corey, tell me what foods do you like to eat? What are flavor profiles? What what's it, what if I said you could have anything tonight, um, we're going to go out to dinner. What would you pick? So you tell me. If I was going out to dinner, it'd probably be it probably be a steak. I okay, had great. A while, so steak. No yeah. problem. I have no problem with the steak. No problem with red meat. But you know what? It's it's not going to be um, Golden Corral because we want to stay away from those industrial stressed animals, right? That kind of we talked about sustainability. That type of raising animals in, in a CAFO is concentrated animal feeding operation for those folks who don't know. Uh, very cruelty animals, uh, very unhealthy for us because we're eating stressed, sometimes diseased animals. Mm-hmm. And, and how can we be healthy if what we're eating is sick and diseased? Right. So we don't want any parts of that. So you and I are going to go find um, you know, a place where they're humanely raised, uh, where they're grass finished, because if we're getting bison or beef, that's what they were meant to eat. They're, they're not meant to eat particular grains like corn, et cetera. Um, so we're going to find that. Maybe um, I could get you interested in, in a moose steak or this beautiful piece of venison. Uh, but you say, hey, maybe another day. Let's stick with it with the beef. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to source that really great uh, cut of beef. And, you know, how do you like, do you like it simple? Uh, maybe I'll, I'll do something for you. We'll make a steak bistecca, which is a little a Florentine way of making it. So I'm going to get this beautiful porterhouse. I like, I don't know about you, Corey, when I'm having that steak, I want to have a steak. Oh, so we're yeah. talking about like this thick, my friend. <laughs> uh, we're talking about, you know, grilling that. Yeah. For folks out there, I, I wrote an article some years ago. You could look it up. I could send it to, to Corey. You can email him. Uh, grilling your food does not increase your risk of cancer. Etc. So we're, we're going to char grill that baby up. We're going to cook a perfect olive oil, rosemary on it, and we're going to serve it uh, Mediterranean style. So we're going to have all those great accompaniments uh, with it. Um, that, you know, that sound good to you? Uh, maybe like some fresh spinach, some artichoke, uh, you know, we'll grill some artichoke. Um, again, have a nice little, uh, some olives with that. I'm going to make you so, some fresh ciabatta. Uh, you know, we're going to source that, that great. So we'll throw that over the grill, maybe a little bruschetta, you know, with some, I'm getting, I'm guess you're getting hungry okay, now. Okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> are we actually going to make this right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out. Yeah. So we can, but, but so that's where I would start with, with, and, and we're, so what you're going to learn is we're going to learn about flavor profiles. Do you like that Mediterranean, uh, flavor profile? Are you comfortable with all those ingredients in there? Um, you know, with things that you like, flavor profiles you like. And, and so you, we, I know you're going to like the food because you like that already. And from there, we can kind of expand. And so maybe next time what, we have a little kale, uh, but we're going to cook it a, a, a little bit differently. Maybe we'll char those vegetables, you know, to get some different flavors and textures mm-hmm. on there. Uh, we'll, we're going to use really good olive oil uh, when we finish them because that's going to add a whole different layer of, of flavor to it. Not not the junk that comes in an eight-gallon can at the supermarket. I'm talking about the, the stuff that you save, you know, to put on oh, gotcha. you know, some, what we call finishing oils, finishing salts, those sorts of things. 
maybe we'll add, you know, a little oregano, some different things in in there, you know, with a with a bruschetta. Maybe we'll add a little mozzarella, a little buffalo mozzarella, or fresh mozzarella on our, our bruschetta there. So uh, we'll build out, you know, from there. If you had said, I love uh, sushi, you know, I love Japanese cuisine, we might have started at a different end of the spectrum done some sashimi, done some sides with that, maybe a little type of seaweed salad. Uh, you know, maybe we did a marinated octopus, a tacos, uh, sunamono uh, type of salad. Uh, you know, maybe some sides from, from there um, and, and, you know, build out from those flavor profiles that are like soy sauce based and, and, and things like that. You know, ginger, garlic, uh, again, incorporation. Spices are are what I use to, to break people who are addicted to the modern Western diet because that's built on sugar, salt, and fat. And so let's, let's reawaken the palate. And that's where as a chef, we can come in and, and introduce these, these, and maybe get you to try some different uh, flavor profiles. I, I love some, uh, one of my favorites that's really different is, you know, South African five spice. So it's got, you know, native African, uh, spices, but it's also got influence from from Malaysia that comes in there, uh, almost kind of a curry feel to it. And you know, uh, there's uh, an English and Dutch influence as well. So you've got uh, this kind of very worldly blend of you know five different spices, which is you know very different than Chinese five spice. Okay, so a whole different flavor profile there. And, and so that's that's kind of where where I start, and and I, that makes people excited about food again. I think because you you get you get your tasting things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just hearing it, makes, I want to go upstairs and cook. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Job well done, sir. Job well- <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, Chef Dr. Mike, you know, thank you so much for uh, being on with me today. Um, how can if people wanted to get a hold of you and, and reach out to you, how where can they find you? So the best place is just go to our website, www.chefdrmike, chefdrmike.com. Uh, we have information there on the courses. Uh, you can go to the YouTube, uh, our, our YouTube channel from there. You can follow us on social media. Uh, please do follow us on social media. We, we're always doing events like those that, that you and I did today. Uh, I mentioned I do through the university, a practical culinary medicine webinar each month. 30 minutes Q&A so you can bring your questions uh, there. And um, that, that's that's probably the best, most central location to get access to all things Chef Dr. Mike. <laughs> awesome. And I'll have some links um, in, in the description below so everybody can go there and, and check it out. I'm, I'm excited for it. Again, you know, Chef Dr. Mike, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, everyone, thank you. you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll holler at you next time. Love this episode of the Healthy Project Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Be sure to visit www.healthcoachlou.com to join the community newsletter, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.